I mean, this really just started off as an idea with no intention of turning it into a company. Um, I've had this idea forever of putting Portal, you know, the Portal mechanic from Valve's Portal into a first-person shooter. And so I just sort of roll, you know, went with it and had a lot of fun. Um, was sort of surprised even how, how fun the mechanic was in a first-person shooter because I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and that was when I decided, you know, this really could turn into something. I'm going to go pursue this. On the podcast today, we're talking to Ian Prue, the co-founder of 1047 Games, and we're finding out how a passion for gaming turned into an entirely new approach to building and designing games. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of technology news. Joining me on today's show, we've got Akish. How are you, Akish? I'm very good, mate. Welcome to Summer 2.0 today. Meant to be 30 degrees, eh? Not 28 good. degrees today, 30 28? degrees tomorrow. That's yeah, it, so I suppose, yeah. I suppose 30 as it's going out, 28 as we're recording. Um, I'm in Wales at the weekend and it's supposed to be sunny even there. Mmm, very so, good. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah, it is definitely Indian summertime, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the last, uh, yeah, the last bit of sun that we're going to get for a few months, I think. <laughs> what so, a wonderful yeah. thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that means sound that depressing. On a, yeah. on a Monday, yeah. How how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good, thank you. It was um, it was very relaxed. Uh, played a bit of cricket, and like we were talking uh, beforehand, the football is back on. So there's the start of the Premier League, which um, we've got. After it's been away for about two two three weeks. Yeah, exactly. But it, it was almost like the first day excitement again. You know, um, especially with like watching the news and then keeping up to date with all the scores and all that sort of stuff and then texting your mates and match of the day at you know half 10 on a on a saturday it was just it was like I, I watched match of the day be, because newcastle won i tend to yeah. avoid it most of the time because it's too yeah. depressing but i thought <laughs> nah yeah. go on we'll, see. we'll we'll have another look at that <laughs> yeah exactly no no it was um yeah it was just good it was, it was good to to have an you know some sort of um, normal things back on and and stuff to do on the weekend really it was all right did you uh did, you didn't partake in any last minute parties over the size of six last minute yeah no i didn't no no i don't know i've i've i was thinking right i was like i haven't really congregated anywhere else apart from work with more than six people anyway i mean i don't, don't know if that says i haven't got any friends but um <laughs> it was just like you know, the most I think it was maybe seven at one point, but you know that that's just kind of one person over. But mate, it just shows you have got a healthy respect for your gran. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have any grandparents, but yeah. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> don't kill your granny; doesn't really work on you then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nah, but it's just um, it's just crazy. I think I think a lot of people are making a big fuss of it, and we should just carry on. Just follow the bloody rules and. Let's get I this over and done rules. with it. Eh? Follow the rules is a good mantra. Uh, yeah, just follow whilst, whilst, the blimmin' rules. Everyone is... tries to shift blame onto anyone they can constantly. Yeah, exactly. Just follow the rules and be sensible is is my yeah. kind of motto. Um, and yeah, you know, don't, you know don't one, mess about. You know one forum you should never follow the rules on? What? Gaming. Mm. Rules are far, far more fun when they're when they're not followed. Very good. Which is probably why which is probably why I'm rubbish at gaming. But I was the type of person that never tried to complete any missions on Grand Theft Auto. I just ran around seeing what stupid stuff I could do. Cheat codes. Cheat codes for me. Do you remember that? Back in the day? Yeah. I used to have really I like that one paper. where it, 
I used to love the one where you could turn it. I think it might be in San Andreas, but you kind of you logged in and everyone was having a riot, and it would just be like, right, see how long you can stay alive for. Yeah, I did like that. The other one that I always use was the um, go around, create havoc, kill as many people, run things over, steal cars. Get, get as police. many police as you can. Yeah, get as many Amazing. police. And then suddenly you get onto a bridge and then you just go put the cheat code in and then you're back to normal. And then you literally just saw like in your back mirror all the police cars just turning around, just just going. <laughs> just like, I don't know why that was a good feeling back in the day, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I remember playing that and being very, very content with myself. Why are we talking about games? We're talking about games because our guest is Ian Prue, the co-founder of 1047 Games. So we'll hand over to the interview with Ian and then we'll be back with some commentary afterwards. So today we're talking to Ian Prue, the CEO and co-founder of 1047 Games. And you're joining us from the uh, the west coast of the US, right? Yep, I'm actually in South Lake Tahoe right now. Honestly, I'm, I feel very ignorant. I've never been to the States. And when people begin to get quite specific about locations, I'm like, it's California, uh, uh, right? <laughs> well, uh, so I'm actually in technically in Nevada. I'm like right on the edge, uh, about five minutes from California. Right. Yeah, I've got a place here and, and uh, kind of split my time between here and my parents' place in the Bay Area, which is where I'm originally from. Well, I'm glad that I demonstrated very ably my ignorance by assuming it was California and then discovering <laughs> it wasn't. <so>. No problem. <laughs> um, well, look, we're here to talk about 1047 Games. Before we get into anything else, you just want to introduce us to who 1047 Games are. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, so 1047 Games um, is the company that I founded out of Stanford. 1047 was actually the address of my dorm room, uh, or of my dorm, rather. Um, and, uh, you know, started off as a really small team. Me and my co-founder, Nicholas Begamian, um, just a couple of computer science students with an, with an idea. And... Uh, We've now grown into about a 25-person studio, and we are the makers of Splitgate. When you think of Stanford, you immediately think of kind of Stanford and Harvard and Ivy League, and you probably immediately jump to kind of like the Facebook story and social network and stuff like that. You don't necessarily think of games companies. Right, is that, right. Is that a fair kind of comment to make? Definitely. I think it's a fair comment to make. Um, you know, Stanford does produce a lot of tech startups, but there's really not any gaming at Stanford. I mean, there's obviously a lot of gamers, but they don't really have a gaming track. Um, and actually, one of the things that we did um, that I've done, actually, is we've been pursuing and trying to create a, a course out of this, um, out, a, a computer science Unreal Engine video game course. So I've been working with my advisor from, from undergrad to make this happen. So we're really excited about that. It's going to actually happen in the fall. So how did you how did you find yourselves in the games industry, given that it's known for tech startups? And we will come to the fact that you are a tech startup, but it's known for tech startups. And, and I suppose this isn't that typical kind of company that you would see coming out of, of Stanford. Right. Uh, I mean, really, it, it, it was just that me and my co-founder have been gamers our whole lives. I was a big Halo 2 guy growing up. Um, uh, and actually, I mean, this really just started off as an idea with no intention of turning it into a company. Um, I've had this idea forever of putting the portal, you know, the portal mechanic from Valve's portal into a first person shooter. Um, for my senior project, actually, at Stanford, I got my advisor to approve an independent study where I could go learn Unreal Engine and and kind of pursue my passion. Um, and so I just sort of, roll, you know, went with it and had a lot of fun, um, was sort of 
surprised even how how fun the mechanic was in a first person shooter because I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and that was when I decided, you know, this really could turn into something. I'm going to go pursue this. Um, I have to admit to being <clears throat> not necessarily a games aficionado. I uh, I have a SNES and a PS2 now. Okay. <laughs> my, my, my gaming is 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 kind of limited to to sports games, <laughs> soccer, nice, nice games, and so on. So it's not a world I'm necessarily kind of familiar with. But you talk about that that portal engine into a first person shooter. How how different or revolutionary is that for for you know as a mechanic for this yeah. particular type of game? Well, I think it fundamentally plays differently than anything else out there, and and that was sort of the reason I wanted to pursue this. I didn't want to just make a generic shooting game. You know, there's no way you can compete with the Halos and the Call of Duties of the world if you're just purely trying to do what they do better. Um, and that was really how how you know, we came up with this was how can we come up with something that plays totally different? And with the portal mechanic, there's just so much room for high skill level, you know, gameplay where you, instead of taking the fight head on and just trying to out aim your opponent, there's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of, you know, spawning portals behind someone getting angles on them, using your momentum to fly through portals and get to new locations on the map. Um, so it really turns into sort of a, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of 200 IQ plays is what people in our community would say. So is that is that similar in some regards in terms of, I suppose, the appeal to, to it, it, something like the Fortnite phenomenon in terms of that yes. strategic, yeah? Yeah, I think uh, in a lot of ways we actually kind of philosophically model ourselves after Fortnite and Rocket League. Those are kind of the two games that come to mind. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we really wanted to make something that is simple to learn but difficult to master. Um, and our game, I think, really has that balance, just like Fortnite does and Rocket League, where as you start off, it's very simple. You can just play it like it's Halo or Quake or whatever arena shooter you want, you know, similar in Fortnite. Not a whole lot to it. There's really one mechanic that has a lot of depth to it. And in our game, it's the portals, right? It's one mechanic that is, there's not a lot of perks or classes or abilities. It's purely one very, very complicated, intricate mechanic that takes hundreds of hours to master. And ultimately, what's really rewarding about that is the game starts off as sort of a simple first-person shooter and evolves into something very, very different once you've mastered it. Now, the way that you've launched this game is different to to a traditional games <clears throat> launch, right? I mean, you, you see a new game come out onto the market, and if I think of kind of my friends who are gamers, I don't know, something like Red Dead, right. almost movie-style trailers with yeah. stuff that I suppose used to be this is not actual game footage, now is actual game. It now looks like it's a film. It kind of operates in a way that's more detailed. I was having a chat with someone who said uh, uh, that, you know, if you think about games now, they cost what? They might cost 50 pounds or whatever but actually and you go well a film's only like 15 quid but the, the right. gameplay value and, and what you get from that is probably worth four or five films and yeah. they have they have that build up and that release but you didn't go for that yeah so we really wanted to treat this like a silicon valley tech startup um and what i mean by that is you know we don't have the budget to go t you know do the red dead redemption launch right where you're pouring millions of dollars into those first two weeks of, of, you know, of your launch. For us, it was much more like a startup. You know you're not going to get the product right immediately. And we wanted to get our minimal viable product out there and out to market in the hands of real users as quickly as possible. We knew that we didn't have 
a finished product on day one. Um, and you know, just to kind of give you an example, we're a free to play game on day one. We didn't even have a store, right? So monetization has not been a priority for us until, I mean, not even, it's still not really a, a priority for us. We're starting to get into that. Um, but yeah, our, our approach was very much, let's get the product out. Let's get real feedback. Let's, you know, monitor the metrics, see what, what people are, what users are coming back. Why are they coming back? And let's iterate, iterate, iterate. And then once we get the product in a place where, you know, we get it down to the point where you spend a dollar on marketing, you get a dollar 50 back. Well, then we have a business model that works. Um, and we're not there yet, but, um, you know, we're getting, we've made tremendous progress on sort of the retention side of things. Uh, and like I said, monetization is now starting to become a bit of a focus. Um, and we're hoping to launch on um, multiple consoles. And that's kind of going to be the, the big blow up when we try to uh, really do some marketing. So I suppose the, the interesting kind of dynamic here is, is that whilst you have not approached it like a gaming a traditional gaming business might you've approached it like a silicon valley startup your audience is still a traditional gaming audience right right how have, how have they responded to it because it must be quite different for them to yeah. go through the iteration process yeah i mean i think um some people get it and some people don't i i definitely think there's a lot of gamers that that look at the game and they're like you know what happened like this game had this this launch and how come they're not doing any marketing like the game is going to die if they don't market it. Um, but some people, when they hear us, you know, they they understand it, especially being an indie team. Like we don't have the luxury of spending millions of dollars on day one. Um, and we also don't have the luxury of taking that sort of risk of let's pour millions of dollars into a product that we haven't really proven ourselves yet. Um, so, but I think in general, people are very understanding. We've got a, a, a pretty tight knit community. Um, a lot of people know each other. You know, we interact with our community. We try to be very transparent and open with them and people respond well to that. You mentioned about launch on consoles. It's a, it's a mobile platform game at the minute, right? It's PC. It's PC. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So how, how does that change? Cause I, I would imagine that the consoles would kind of expect something that is a bit more of a finished product or are they quite happy for you to kind of continue the same model that you've, uh, you've been using? So far? No, they definitely do. I mean, like the consoles, do have much stricter requirements than steam steam i mean you could pretty much put out anything uh i mean that's not totally true there is some requirements you can't put out garbage but um you know it's got a it's got to work but on on the consoles there's a lot of requirements um i mean it's never truly a finished product right it's games as mm -hmm. service but um we are much closer to feature complete than we were a year ago so look, I mean, as 1047 has evolved, and you kind of mentioned there that you, you, you started with quite a small team, you're now a studio of 25. How has the dynamic of the business changed? Because have you, have you brought people in who are games industry experts and maybe have worked at other gaming studios and expected yeah. it to work in a, in a different way and you've maybe had to sit them down and go, that's not how we're doing things? Yeah, not, uh, not particularly. I mean, I think a, a, we have a good mix of people that come from traditional AAA experience um, or companies, uh, as well as people who are more of the up and comer indie dev type of background, um, and even some mobile gaming people. Um, so I think, I think people haven't really questioned the vision. I mean, I think 
I, I honestly, I think this is the direction that the entire industry is going to head in. I mean, I'm, you're already starting to see it. More games are going free to play. You know, Fortnite, Apex, Modern Warfare. I think Halo announced it. Um, I, I really think that mobile gaming is much further along and PC gaming and console gaming are sort of going in that direction. Um, it just, it makes a lot more sense to me to, to put a product out there, learn from it. And it, as opposed to, you, you know, if you try to spend millions in your first two weeks, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Um, you know, unless you're Red Dead Redemption, where you have a masterpiece and you know it, uh, there's just no way to really know that your product is ready and has everything figured out on day one. So look, um, just very quickly then, um, you've obviously, have, when, when, when did you start 1047? Uh, I started it in January of 2017. And I would imagine that team was quite close-knit, and I suppose possibly that traditional startup model of lots of people working, maybe out of a door, maybe out of someone's house, whatever else, but quite intense, quite a lot of time spent together. Yep. Is that right or wrong? Or Oh, that's definitely right. I mean, the, uh, the first six months, um, it was just the two of us, my co-founder and myself, um, and the first year we got up to five people. Um, I mean, we've been a remote company for forever. Um, so right. it's a little different, right? Uh, but my co-founder and I are very close. And like I said, we were in the same dorm. So we saw each other all the time. And right after graduation, um, you know, we were living in the same house together and spending 24 seven together. <laughs> so now we have some separation because of the quarantine. Um, so yeah. I don't get to see him nearly as often. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, I think that that kind of startup mentality and culture has, has remained. Yeah, no, you obviously preempted where I was going with it by mentioning that you've been remote forever, but has the last kind of, I don't know, three, four months been a bit of a learning curve for you as a business leader, right? You've, you've gone from a business, I suppose, where you were working quite closely with people physically, certainly maybe your co-founder by the sounds of it, and now you're in a position where you're not sat next to anybody. It, it's not much different, to be honest. Um, like I said, we, we've been remote forever, actually. Like out of the 25 people, most of them are remote. Um, right. The only difference really is I don't see my co-founder nearly as often. Um, I don't see, um, you know, we try to do kind of get togethers sometimes, uh, you know, what our, our sort of core leadership team of eight. Um, we've got a guy in Michigan, Florida. Uh, we've got a few people in, in Southern California, a few people yeah. in NorCal, a couple people here. Um, we'll try to get together a, a few times a year where the whole, not, not the whole 25, but the whole sort of core team is in the same spot. Um, fortunately we did that right before the quarantine. We did that in February. So it's sort of like good timing, but, um, yeah, we haven't been able to do that since and probably won't be able to for a while, unfortunately. So the big thing is, is obviously this launch on console, but is there anything else you kind of coming, coming up in the pipeline of 1047 that you're excited about? Um, I mean, nothing like major. It's just a lot of little things that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, we've got more maps coming. We've got some more weapons coming. Um, we're going to probably do another big season update, I would say, probably two months from now. Um, got some new game modes that we're really excited about. We've got a 2v2 sort of elimination round-based uh, mode that we're working on. 
um, that I think plays extremely well. Uh, it's, it's a fundamental difference in pace from the rest of the game, but still obviously has that same kind of like strategic gameplay, uh, just at a more slower pace, I guess. Um, so a lot of, you know, no, no one big thing as, as much as just a lot of medium things that we're super excited for. And then the console launch will be the big thing. Which I suppose that is in, in keeping with the heritage of the business, right? Yeah. Um, well, look, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. I, I will make sure that we include the link to 1047games.com in the show notes. However, if someone is just listening, 1047games.com is not a difficult web address to uh, remember, yeah. <laughs> so people can find it and, and go explore the game. But I really appreciate your time uh, this morning, and uh, it's been lovely to talk to you, Ian. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, David. Akish, you're more of a gamer than I am. I, 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 well, I know that you're more of a gamer than I am because you have gamed with our colleagues during mm. lockdown mm. Uh, and have a headset that is set up for such activities yeah would you describe yourself as a gamer oh do you know what yeah i feel i feel i feel like i'd i'd, I'd annoy people if i said i was a gamer considering you know people that are hardcore gamers are you know kind of very invested into the not just the game itself i think this is what people possibly don't understand the culture um Mm -hmm. and and you know the communities and the forums that sort of thing so based on that i'd say i'm not a gamer but do i have a games console and do i take part in you know kind of regular evenings playing certain games i do so i'd say i'm a very casual gamer when he was talking about about kind of portal uh all these kind of bits and pieces and the the portal kind of engine etc did did you kind of follow what what he was going on about yeah because i have to admit during the interview i was like hang on a minute and i kind of had to go back afterwards and do a little bit of research to be like what (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but also i think he also mentioned about just the the community and the the people that they're kind of reaching out to right and I, and I kind of understood it because I do have some friends, don't get me wrong, that are very, you know, what you would class as kind of hardcore or, or you know, you know, kind of very good gamers um, that have spent thousands and thousands of pounds on on kind of, you know, equipment and, and things and, you know, spend a lot of time in there. And, and they've actually met people, you know, in, in their kind of walk of life purely because of that gaming kind of portal or that community right. and you know, so so I think it's a lot more than to 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 a normal person who's not into it or whatever. It just looks like someone sat in front of a screen playing some animated game, right? But there's a lot more, um, and, and I think also the yeah. games are changing as well, so it makes it. I mean, I I as anyone who's listened to tech talks or watched any of the videos that we've put out over the years will know, I've been slightly dismissive of gaming in the past. I like a game of Pro Evo, but it's always been the thing that I've I've never really done online gaming. It's been like when your mates come around and you open a couple of beers and the Doritos and mm. you sit on there and play for a few hours or something like that mm. on Mario Kart. But um, when Fortnite tournaments were being held at tennis stadiums and thousands of people were watching and the top prize was, I think it was a million, wasn't it? Yeah, at one millions, point? Of, millions of dollars. Yeah, That was a little bit beyond me. Yeah. And Jack, also of this of this parish and podcast told me that I was being stuck in my ways and whatnot. But then you listen to someone like Ian talking, you know, and he says, you know, it's, it's a 200 plus IQ plays. Mm. You realize that that's why I'm shit. Frankly, (laughs) it's not just that I 
don't invest myself in them. Mm. Games are really you. You need to be bloody clever to be good, to be yeah. good at some of these games now and practice a lot. Hundred percent practice, but also you need to have that kind of. I, th- I think it's more the emotional intelligence as well, which is key. Because um, a lot of times, you know, you've got your traditional, oh, I've lost, or you know, this isn't working, and you'll kind of have a have a you know uh change of emotion and you might you know throw things down or whatever and the, the kind of you know cartoon break the tv or break the mm. computer but i think you need to have a lot of emotion intelligence just to keep calm keep relaxed and, and kind of do it and it's ridiculous i mean you know th- there are people that are professional gamers that started youtube channels and they're now you know multi-millionaires multi-billionaires with their own kind of branding with their own kind of you know almost like a their own corporation um mm. and that started on the back of just gaming um and, and putting content on youtube for people that are trying to complete certain levels or trying to do certain things in the game to to, to copy so um it's a massive business and, and i don't understand why you know we, we we we're not it's not more prevalent is that is that but the it, word you know? uh, i mean it stands to reason that if it is as involved as you're as you're saying which it it absolutely is. Mm. And these are 200 plus IQ games. And, you know, people are watching YouTube videos because they want to get better. Mm. It stands to reason that actually a, a, a startup, a computer science-led approach of product and iterate mm-hmm. would make sense. And you can kind of go, all right, I get where Ian's coming from. where Because you've got to really keep that community engaged. And there are very few companies in the world who obviously have the the budget to be able to put something like Red Dead on the market. Mm. Uh, and and just that be a masterpiece um mm. most games i imagine are word of mouth still actually mm. i remember fortnite was not fortnite i you know was something that was not an overnight sensation people in gaming circles were talking about it quite a long time before it, it kind of got into the public consciousness through footballer celebrations right mm. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i think i think with stuff like fortnite it was very much of a like a cult following and it was all a large part of what I saw was all done on social media. So, you know, you had a few celebrities, few influencers that were getting involved and, and whether that was kind of direct marketing from them themselves or, or whatever it's worked and it's, it's made mm. them into the phenomena that they are, you know, go back on, on a few Christmases. I'm sure there'll probably be some parents that will kind of understand, you know, every kid just wanted Fortnite, every dance was Fortnite, you know, that the, the, the floss and all these sorts of characters and, it's all come out of Fortnite, um, so that's been massive. And and like I said, what those guys at Ten Forty Seven are doing just to keep people engaged is huge. Because yeah, it's difficult when you don't have the branding of a Red Dead or a Call of Duty or even a FIFA, um, mm. you know, by kind of EA Sports or whatever, to 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 keep people engaged and keep them kind of coming back and and keep the platform going. So. If they can do that, that'll be, you know, kind of key, and especially now where people do are finding that they've got some more, you know, free time, some more spare time and, and will actually reward, I think they'll reward themselves with some sort of leisurely activity. It's a perfect time to, you know, launch something like this and have this in the market. Yeah. Um, and, and I adore that they're going back to universities. They're all university and creating a track and a course. Hmm around gaming for computer science mm. students and not not wanting to be stereotypical, but you would imagine that it is computer scientists who are more likely to perhaps be gamers because that's the world that they're comfortable in. You, it's, I, I don't know, it just strike, it struck me as odd that there isn't a course 
yeah. around gaming for computer scientists yeah. at a prestigious well, school like like mm. like Stanford, where to be perfectly frank, I mean, look at look at the size of the gaming industry. Surely mm. you'd go, well, that's a market to be in. Mm. But also, I, th- I think when you go to an Ivy League school, as as they're kind of called, and you do computer science, I think people expect you to then be a, a, a kind of quant engineer or some sort of mathematician or a stats person at a large investment bank in New York City, right? Um, yeah, but what what what's glamorous about banking? But gaming yeah. is glamorous. No, that, I mean, no, look that, at it that, now. I mean, it's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I think where where the where it shifted and where it will change to. Um, I think it's great to be honest, and 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 I think it will allow for creativity and 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 a bit more differentiation. Um, yeah, which is what we've been crying about, you know. Better games, yeah. better games, a tech-led approach, product-led approach. That's it. Or interesting games, engaging games with uh, the public, which will be, which will be great. I think. Um, I'll definitely. probably still be playing Pro Evo, but <laughs> I'll just I'm, a, I'm just shit at games. I'm, I'm a FIFA <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at that either. Yeah. No, nah. right. needs to be I, simple to be <laughs> needs to be simple right we will take a quick break when we come back we're going to be discussing a bit of topical news um we're going to be talking about arm So a bit of news for you. Arm co-founder deals like the video sale may undermine the UK tech's vision. So this is interesting. Herman Hauser says that British-based firm is a powerful weapon in post-Brexit trade talks. Um, This is being reported across many outlets, but this article taken from The Guardian. Dominic Cummings' hope of building a trillion-dollar UK tech champion in the mould of an Apple or Google will be undermined if ministers wave through deals like the $40 billion sale of Arm Holdings. Things. Um, one of the company's co-founders has said, pressure is mounting on the government to step in after the US software firm and Divya said on Monday that it agreed to buy Cambridge-based Arm, a global leader in uh, providing chips for smartphones, computers, and tablets from Japan's SoftBank. This is really interesting, right? The SoftBank stand to make 8 billion profit in just four years after buying Arm for 32 billion um, in a deal that was cheaper thanks to the fall in the value of sterling after the 2016 um Brexit vote. And now the Labour Party, Science and Technology, Workers Union Prospect, and the Armco founder himself have called on the government to deploy powers that can block foreign takeovers or attract uh, attach conditions to them. Really interesting Ooh. tug of war going on. It's the tech sector. Um, yeah, I mean, the government have got this idea that tech is the way out of um, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I found it fascinating that they've got um, caveats that allow them to block... Um, uh, takeovers if 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 they think that they are a threat to national security, media pl- plurality. I can't speak today. Financial stability, or as of this year, the UK's pandemic response. So if they think a deal is going to damage the pandemic response, they can pull the plug on it. Hmm, that's cheeky. That is. Yeah, because Arm is a huge company. It employs a lot of people, a lot of engineers. Now, yeah. Divya have not come out and guaranteed jobs, but yeah. they've suggested that they will. Keep, keep the centres open in Cambridge yeah. and Belfast, etc. Yeah, uh, and that they will be hiring engineers, but they've not said where they're going to be hiring the engineers. But the point, the point I think that Hauser is trying to make is that if Cummings wants us to build a Google or an Apple, you yeah. don't do that with a startup. You do that with a company like Arm and take them from the level they are now up, up a oh. notch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which does make sense, mm. I'd say. But oh, yeah, it's just so much. I don't know. It's just a lot of grey 
grey cloud everywhere with that, isn't it, really? It's just Brexit, it's people, it's livelihoods, second wave. You, there's so much stuff out there at the moment where you just don't know. And it's almost like... Mm, Should the government have the power to step in and block a deal, uh, block a capitalist if, deal, yeah. that, you know, to all intents and purposes... If the, two, if the company wants to sell or you've got a buying company and, and, and the selling company's up for it, yeah. should the government be able to stop in and protect the economy and go, no, I we're think, not letting yeah. you sell? I think yeah? they should, yeah. I think Because that's massive interventionist powers. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so not free market economics, is it? No, it's not. But also, I, I think I think they should be allowed to step in and they should step in, given maybe not in another... Let's say if this was happening last year, right, or a few years ago, and, and it was like... You know, the economy was as it should be. Everyone was happy. Everyone had their jobs. And we didn't report losses upon losses on every quarter. Yeah, you know, kind of crack on and, and, and see. But I think now maybe the government should actually be using their, their own initiative and going, hang on, we need to step in here because of the effect that will happen. So gives old Rishi Sunak something else to do as well, doesn't it, really? Well, uh, Oliver Dowden, I think, is the person who's who's in oh, charge of this particular decision. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, and basically anyone who's not Rishi right now, you kind of go, oh. I mean, even Rishi, you're not entirely sure how good he is compared to the rest of them, but because the rest of them are so shite. But um... <laughs> <laughs> he's just uh, he, he's just letting us to eat out to help out, doesn't he? But uh, yeah, that should come back don't, again. Don't that, your granny. Yeah, I, I like that, but only in groups of six. So it is interesting. It is interesting. So there is support there for government intervention mm. to stop them selling a firm to protect jobs. Interesting. Mm. I'd love to know what what listeners. I was about to say readers. I'd love to know what what listeners think of that one. Whether or not we should block the sale of arm to Indivia. Well, let, uh, let's, let's video, see. Bojo video. gives us a tweet and uh, follows us. I don't think you'll be. I doubt it. it. I doubt it. I wish you did though. Do you? I don't know. How I'd feel about that. I'd feel a bit dirty. Um, <laughs> right. That'll do for today's show. Um, the sun is clearly going to our heads. Uh, Akish. Enjoy the football tonight. Obviously, you're not playing, but a couple more matches. Yeah. Uh, everyone else, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>